0: Uh, I have apologies for absence from Edward Oliver, Jeffrey Sell, Alan Dean, John Lodge, Martin Foley, Jim Gordon. Any others? No? Thank you. Okay, um, we're going to start with a presentation on the local plan from Andrew Taylor.
1: Thank you, Chairman. The presentation is about an item on the agenda later, which is the Local Plan and Issues and Options Consultation. And it's really to set the scene for that paper that Councillor Barker will introduce later. You'll be aware that as part of the Local Plan work, we are working up towards a number of consultations. And the first one is due to start subject to Council's approval um, later on this month, running for six weeks through to early December. And This is uh, the initial uh, issues and options consultation looking at the strategic issues, um, a range of strategic locations for development and a number of different scenarios. This is something that the Local plan, uh, Planning Policy Working Group have been looking at over a number of, number of weeks and months um, and have looked at the papers in quite a lot of detail before making their recommendation to Council. The approach we've been following obviously puts all this information into the public domain um, and that does create uncertainty and um, this is an intrinsic part of the process Um, but it does um, provide hopefully an understanding of of the process that we're following to assist with meaningful engagement and that's really one of the things I wanted to impress upon you, the role that you have and town and parish councillors have in helping the, the public to understand this process. We've held two sessions with uh, parish and town councillors to uh, talk to them in a bit more detail about the consultation that's going to be happening and uh, explain to them the process that we're following, given the opportunity to ask questions. They've both been very well attended. We held one in Saffron and one in Great Dummo. You probably have seen this map before and this is one of the, the key aspects of the consultation, the, the areas of search. Uh, both in terms of um, new settlements um, the the two towns and then the key villages and looking at different types, different scenarios of growth so that we ensure that we test everything as part of our approach to this local plan preparation. As part of the evidence base and as part of the information that's going to be released for the consultation each area of search has been um, assessed in detail by Place Services Essex County Council as part of the sustainability appraisal. And this document will be referenced closely throughout the consultation so people can easily find which paragraph refers to which site and so the information is there for people to look at in more detail. This is just an example, um, happens to be one of the sites um, or areas of search rather near Bedlam's Lane in, or on the outskirts of Bishop Stortford but it explains the sort of detail and the issues that are raised up. It doesn't conclude things, but it looks at the issues that would need to be overcome if this site was to be taken forward. One of the other key evidence base that's, that's just been released is in relation to the objectively assessed housing need. It's a piece of work that we did jointly with our colleagues in East Hertfordshire, Epping Forest and Harlow councils, collectively known as our strategic housing market area. Uh, the councils that we're working very closely with, um, to look at the housing need for that area. This uh, figure has been published and was reported to the last planning policy working group. Um, And it is broadly in line at 568 dwellings a year with the, the figure of 580, which the local plan inspector in December suggested was an appropriate figure. This might not be the actual figure we use um, within the local plan however, because I'm sure you're aware that we need to test this in more detail and certainly we We need to ensure that the housing requirements for the four authorities uh, are delivered within the area. So we need to work closely with our neighbours to ensure that they're delivering sufficient numbers and if if they're not delivering their full needs, where those houses are going to be delivered within our housing market area. I'm sure you'll be asked um, by constituents why there is such a high demand for housing um, and I'm sure these things on the screen behind me are not um, a surprise to you but over many years you know, the household size that we have within the country has, has reduced from uh, over 4 to now 2.2 people per household. Um, we have um, in- international and domestic migration. Um, and the the issue of declining affordability is also part of the reason the housing number has increased over time it is a very complex relationship between supply and demand takes into account things such as affordability things such as the job market growth in local jobs um, and uh, migration between other areas within this country but it does have and it also takes into account the challenges of the home ownership model and the issues that we have within a very high price area in relation to to wages. So all these issues are looked at in terms of the need for housing. One of the things um, to get over as part of this consultation about starting from first principles looking at where ideally uh, allocations of sites could go is that we're not being led by necessarily proposals submitted all the assessments and all the areas of search are looked at in terms of objective, um, objectively uh, without policy considerations being put on. For example, we haven't looked at whether the site's flood as an example, or whether the sites are within the green belt or within a, a high landscape value area. That's the next stage. At this stage we're looking at the principle of good located sites either in close to existing settlements or close to transport links. You will be aware that a number of sites, over about 300 sites, have been submitted to the council um, as part of the call for sites earlier in the year and that those details have not yet been released. They will be released in early December after the close of this consultation. The idea is that we focus on the strategic issues now without being focused on sites because as soon as the sites are released people will focus on those rather than on the strategic nature that we want people to look at now. So the information will be released in early December after the close of the consultation and then hopefully the working group in December will receive more detailed assessments of each of those sites on top of just the raw data that was submitted by promoters. As the third bullet point says the assessments that we will have carried out will be made available on the website and parish parish town councils as well as promoters will be invited to comment on the assessment that we have carried out. That's to ensure that they're factually accurate, to ensure we've not missed anything, and we can have a comment on each form for each site for the parish town council comments or the promoter's comments, to make sure that we've captured as much information as possible about each site. But the last bullet point is also key. These aren't documents that will be the end. This is not the final say of each site, because the strategy as it emerges, the strategy that this consultation is looking at, will will change and have an impact on which sites are suitable and which sites will or won't be taken forward and that will come out in more detail at the beginning of next year and into the second half of next year when the strategy that we're looking at following becomes clearer as strategies are, are are sieved out throughout the process that we're going to go through. One of the most important things for you to be aware of and for you to pass on to your constituents are the public events that we are going to hold um, across the district as part of the the consultation. So we have three um, here um, one in Great Dunmore at Helena Rana and one at Stansted at Forest Hall School on three different dates. um, Those dates um, will be put out in Uttlesford Life as part of a a large feature going out very shortly and we will also provide posters and leaflets to all parish and town councils to ensure that Posters can go up and leaflets can be left in most appropriate places. We'll obviously be putting adverts in the press, as well as obviously a sort of life going to each household within the district to try and um, make it as widely available and known as possible. Um, the dates um, have been given out to all the parish and town councils already over the last, for the last couple of weeks, so none of this is a surprise in terms of, the, in terms of that, that, that group of people. Thank you, Chairman. <coughs>
0: Uh, we'll take any questions when Councillor Barker gives her report later. So we'll move on to the um, minutes from the last two meetings. Um, The first one some time ago, back in July. I'll just um, check those for accuracy, first of all. So if I go through point 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32. Okay. And then the more recent extraordinary meeting in September, again, point 33, 34, 35. Nope. Thank you. And then I can ask if there are any matters arising for those minutes. Councillor Barker.
2: Um. Chairman, could I raise, um, just a follow up on page 5 of the meeting on the 28th of July, uh, C21 regarding the re-road play areas. Um, just to report that I did attend a meeting with some of the interested parties a couple of weeks ago. Unfortunately, not all the interested parties were prepared to attend the meeting. Um, we are looking at some sort of compromise agreement <coughs> whereby an amount of play equipment goes back into these areas. <coughs> but the, the two parties concerned, the pros and the antis, are not prepared to sit around one table and discuss this. So I have agreed with Mr Harbour that I will uh, speak to each of them separately. We're only talking about a few residents here in a few houses and hopefully we will try to get this resolved in the near future. Thank you.
0: Uh, I apologise, but um, it would appear that I forgot to ask for any declarations of interest at the beginning of the meeting, so I may ask if there are any, please. No? Thank you. Uh, I don't have any announcements to make personally, um, but Keith Artis, who is my representative at Carver Barracks for the Community Covenant, would like to make an announcement.
3: Yes, good evening. Um, I sent round uh, today uh, an email um, concerning a press release that uh, that I had had issued uh, concerning the uh, proposed sports development, uh, community sports development at uh, Carver Barracks. because it was sent round quite late today, just for the benefit of those that uh, haven't seen it already, I'll just read it out quickly. It says, During this, his year as Chairman of Uttlesford District Council, Keith Artis, along with fellow councillors Tina Knight and Keith Eden, together with the Chief Executive John Mitchell, championed the proposed development of a community sports facilities at Carver Barracks, home of the Bond Disposal Regiments 33 and 101. The existing sports fields at the barracks are already extensively used by Uttlesford clubs, but the new plans are for a floodlit all-weather eight-lane running track, a new multi-purpose 3G sports pitch along with new changing rooms and spectator facilities. These these additions will provide uh, opportunities for greater community use uh, of the lands available at the barracks. However, to kickstart the project from a grant funding point of view, planning permission is required. With the enthusiastic support of recently elected Con Gardard, the councillor charged with the district sports vision, Keith and Tina pledged to ask each councillor to contribute £100 of the initial £4,000 cost of designs and the actual planning application itself. Whilst they were prepared to make up any shortfall themselves, they were overwhelmed by the cross-party support for the concept. Councillors were tripping over themselves to help and offer support. Such unanimous goodwill was picked up by Council Leader Howard Rolfe on behalf of Uttlesford's Cabinet, who immediately offered to cover the full cost of the initial stage of the planning process, pledging the full £4,500. This is a success story, not only for the Army and the project itself, which can now proceed full steam ahead, but it just goes to show how councillors of all persuasions can work together to achieve something we all believe in. Uh, Keith, Tina and Tom have thanked all councillors for their warm messages of support, and of course thank councillor Howard Rolfe for grasping the opportunity to kick-start a welcomed community scheme and generate uh, cross-party goodwill. Uh, that was the... Um, Uh, press release that was sent out and uh, let's hope it gets some publicity. Uh, While while I'm standing, uh, as last year's chairman, uh, today I handed over two uh, charity checks to the British Heart Foundation and also to Help for Heroes. And on your desks tonight you will see some leaflets from Help for Heroes uh, who we're well, most grateful for the, uh, for the support that, uh, that this council has given them through my, through my uh, charity pledges. And uh, the one thing they did say was that if just one of you signs up tonight to provide support to uh, the Help for Heroes, that will make a tremendous difference. So I urge you to read these uh, leaflets and, if you possibly can, give them some support. Uh, thank you very much.
0: Thank you, Keith. Um, we move on to item 7, reports from the Leader and members of the Executive.
4: Uh, thank you, Chairman, and uh, good evening, councillors. Um, just uh, four points, if I may. Uh, the first is uh, you'll all be aware uh, that the Chancellor announced during the Conservative Party conference that uh, uh, local government would retain uh, business rates. Um, now, we collect £41 million pounds and our um, rate support grant is about 1.6 million, so anybody who thought that we'd keep hang on to 41 million pounds probably is mistaken. Um, The detail clearly will come out in the Autumn Statement on November the 25th. I did get a very clear impression that we won't be handing this money back to the Treasury. I sense we'll be taking along with other councils of course on greater responsibility and you can speculate on what that might be and Really, we won't know until the end of November. I think it's a great step forward. Um, it does put us in a position whereby we can um, work very closely with businesses in our district. Uh, it supports our aspiration for economic uh, growth uh, in, in Uttlesford and to support the high street. So there will be initiatives that we can take, but I don't think necessarily we're going to be any better off. But more about that um Uh, later. It does, however, mean that uh, our income now comes from four primary sources. The first is council tax, the second, as we just said, is uh, the retention of business rates, the third is new homes bonus, and the fourth is the use of uh, our assets and other assets that we might acquire uh, to generate income and at some point we'll be pleased to come back to Council with some thoughts around that. So that is, uh, that's the first point. Uh, the second point is that I took the opportunity of speaking with the Secretary of State and uh, the Minister for Housing Brandon Lewis uh, about the implications of the Housing Bill on Uttlesford. Uh, you'll be aware, and I think Councillor Redford may touch on this later, uh, that it does have significant uh, implication in terms of uh, our um, duty to sale, um, the uh, right to buy and the reduction in terms of uh, housing as well, all council or rents. Um, I came away uh, with the very clear uh, impression that uh, certain things were not for discussion Um, they are going ahead with the sale uh, of council association homes Uh, they are going ahead with the reduction of rents by 1% the Secretary of State talked about 1% it's not actually 1% as you know it's uh, the increase is 1% uh, plus a a market rate of increase so it's more like a reduction of 3% actually and uh, Uttlesford is HRA budget will have to take account of that, but the implication on the Housing Association and, and, its, and its funding for social housing and indeed our uh, extra care home do come into question. Uh, but so that was the second point they're going ahead with. Um, and the third point is, and I, I think you heard the Prime Minister say this, uh, that uh, uh, they will be looking to housing associations to generate uh, starter homes uh, as well as, uh, I don't think instead of, but as well as uh, rented accommodation. So those, those are sort of three uh, pegs in the ground. But, but, but around that, uh, there are criteria that affect Uttlesford because of its high equity values uh, disproportionately to other areas. And I think that's why a meeting with Brandon Lewis, which has now been confirmed, um, we, we can hopefully make some progress and uh, reduce the, mitigate the impact on our community. Uh, the third thing I wanted to say, Chairman, was that um, about a dozen gypsies uh, appeared on Swan Meadow in the car park at the far end. Um, they have now gone. They were here for about six days. Uh, I congratulate uh, officers at this council working with their colleagues in Essex. It was a smooth process. Um, the place was left immaculate, um, and uh, these uh, 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 this community was primarily from France, Germany, with uh, some um, Norwegians as well from the number plates on their cars. Um, it does raise the question that there is no transit facility uh, in Essex. And um, as you know, um, Gypsy and Traveller uh, sites are a key part of the local plan, generating actually more heat than the housing at the moment. But, and and we, we will have to address that if we're going to have a robust plan but that is not about a transit facility, so uh, that is perhaps something we may want to come back to. My final point, Chairman, uh, on your behalf, actually, is uh, and this is a tricky one, and I approach Council with some trepidation on this, but it really saddened me that we had to cancel the quiz night the first time it's ever happened. Um, The second... um, Event that uh, the uh, chairman was involved in was a concert on Saturday, a similar situation with very few councillors being present. I don't admonish you, I understand the pressures on your time. I just urge you to try and support uh, the chairman who has some. Very worthwhile charities, and it's good if we can get behind her. And while I'm making that point, uh, the same thing really applies to when we have briefing sessions. I know it's another evening in your diary, but some of these subjects, like the local plan, which we've covered again tonight, are of crucial importance, and, and, and we're desperate that all councillors are at the same uh, knowledge base so that we can make calculated and intelligent decisions. So uh, enough on that, and enough with me, Chairman. Thank you.
0: Thank you,
5: Councillor Howell. Um, Madam Chairman, Councillors, um, I'm very pleased to, report the, uh, to submit the report uh, from the, uh, for, for Finance. Um, a, a copy of that has been circulated, so I, I won't read it out word for word. Uh, but I do think I need to, uh, to acknowledge the fact, and I'm pleased to report, that Count Uttlesford has achieved an unqualified audit opinion for the 2014 15 accounts, and this is the seventh consecutive year that we've had an unqualified audit opinion. So this is an opportunity for me to express my thanks and appreciation to the members of the Performance and Audit Committee for the work they do in preparing our accounts. But I also need to thank Adrian Webb and the members of the finance team, Angela Knight, for the enormous amount of hard work that they put into preparing the accounts. And I feel I should also express my thanks to the external auditors for their hard work. Um, The reports goes into quite a lot of detail about one particular area that formed a specific area of inquiry from Ernst & Young. They'd identified the new homes bonus and the significant proportion that it represents of our income as a particular area of risk, indeed as it is an area of risk for a number of other councils who receive significant levels of funding through the new homes bonus. um, They Recognise and acknowledge that we have identified that as a potential risk of course as well. As a result of the work they did as part of the audit process, they, they concluded we have continued to respond well to the financial challenges along with other public sector bodies facing this area. Um, so I am very pleased to, to get the endorsement that they gave us of the robustness of our financial, our medium term financial strategy It's pleasing to have some independent acknowledgement of this and also of our reserve strategy. Um, I'm not going to repeat the comments that that the Leader has made uh, about the uh, likely changes to to local authority um, incomes from retaining business rates. You are all aware that the autumn statement comes out on the 25th of November. Uh, I will do my best to ensure that councillors are uh, updated as soon as information is available, um, and and officers and I will work hard to ensure that you are are updated as appropriate. Thank you.
6: Thank you, Councillor Howell, and uh, Councillor Redfern. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I just wanted to give everybody an update following the um, extraordinary council meeting and the newly formed refugee working group. Uh, We met on the 25th of September. Um, We had a very constructive meeting bearing in mind how little information uh, we have to date um, and we have several points of action that we, will, we are taking forward from this from this meeting. Um, we will be part of an Essex wide multi-agency approach and we have a growing database of all types of offers of help from various residents and they are, that are available if required. Um, we are appealing to property owners seeking self-contained accommodation that might be available that the council could lease from the owners at social rent for up to five years. Um, This request is on our website and it has been raised at the landlords forum and it will go out in a press release in the next few days. We will keep members and residents informed as we get more information and as I said we have a page on our website that links to other agencies um, to direct members of the public who wish to assist in some way so they will be able to follow the links um, to take them of various agencies, um, and we will continually update that page um, as further information becomes available. And also, if you have a look at this yourselves, and if there's something you think we're missing on that page, um, it's a it's a moving feast. We can edit it in whatever way we feel is appropriate. Um, and also, if you want to see what else was um, discussed at the working group, obviously um, our minutes are available on the council website. Um, Councillor Rolf referred to the housing bill. Um, We don't really know what the detail of this is yet or how the proposals are going to fully affect the um, housing revenue account. But once the detail is revealed, um, we will have to look at how it affects us and how we're going to continue to deliver um, housing and, and, and in what way we're going to deliver Housing. This will obviously um, come through the housing board, and so through to all of you. Um, but until we've got more detail, I think we'll—I'll just sort of leave it at that. At that point, um, and just on a little bit of information, the second phase of Mead Court is um, under demolition now, and I hope we've seen the end of the delays. I think every, we've had every possible thing on that site you can imagine and I believe the birds have gone and now the building is being knocked down so I'm hoping that we'll be back to you to um, confirm that that site will be completed next year Um, and I will bring to the next uh, full council meeting I will bring a a full report of where we are with all the other projects because there is quite a lot um, quite a lot going on but I won't list it all now Um, and one final thing Um, I don't really want to tell you all off as um, Councillor Rolfe tried to avoid doing that but um, we have got the housing conference tomorrow and I have to say I'm a little disappointed at that there aren't more members of the council um, attending that but I do, again, I understand how difficult it is for us all on, um, particularly during the day but if you are available even for for, for a short time tomorrow um, please, please come along because it is really... Um, It's especially important at the moment because we are going to have so many changes to um, the way housing is delivered. And um, we have Colin Colin Wiles um, chairing this meeting who's a a very good writer um, and contributes to um, Inside Housing magazine. So if you are around tomorrow, um, please do come along if you possibly can. And that is the end of my lecture. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Councillor Redfern. No 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 one else? Susan, do you? Okay. Um, Members' questions. Councillor Knight.
7: I appreciate how um, disappointing it may be, Julie. Um, I also appreciate the difference, is that officers want meetings during the day, and many of us working councillors work meetings in the evening. If there's a shortfall, maybe you could consider having a repeat of the conference so it's during the day and possibly in the evening because many of us would like to attend, would like to be involved, but we have to earn a living and pay our mortgages. Thank you.
6: Message received and understood, Councillor Knight. I do appreciate that. But uh, the thing is, is it isn't just just members that this uh, conference is for. We have housing associations and all sorts of other people as well. So it does tend to be in the day. But I do believe, and I'm looking at Adrian, it will be broadcast tomorrow. So you could sit in your office and you could listen to what we've got to say. And, and And while away the hours, work away listening to what we're all talking about. So you... Even if you're not here, you can still hear what's going on.
0: Thank you, Councillor Lachlan.
6: Thank
8: you. Um, I know you can't... uh, Sorry, Councillor Ruffin, I know you can't... uh, Uh, tell us what's happening with the housing market and housing associations because um, it seems to be changing every five minutes since the the conference and one thing and another but could we please have an assurance that the most vulnerable people in Uttlesford and our tenants will be protected from any sell-offs that may come along. I know that we use housing associations ourselves and I would like to make sure that 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 carries on.
6: Well, um, I think we can be assured that the most vulnerable people in our community will be protected by the council. I don't think that... I mean, the the right to buy, um, someone has to exercise the right to buy, um, and that will be the tenant. So if they're already in our accommodation and they don't want to exercise the right to buy, they won't be forced to do that. Um, So in that way, I guess they will be protected...
8: Sorry. Go on. Sorry. No, I wasn't just meaning the right to buy. I'm because there, you know, new houses, new council houses, and that I think are going to be greatly diminished. And uh, I think that is a shame. And I and I think that will affect the most vulnerable in our community. Uh, so I just would like some assurance that that we will do. I know you have written. Um, about the right to buy and lack of council housing, but I would like to make sure that anybody in this district will have a right to a council home if they need it. And I'm talking, I mean, housing associations don't just house tenants, they house people with mental health problems and things like that. A lot of these confidential that we don't actually know about, and I would like to see that continue.
6: Sorry? Okay. Um, <coughs> Councillor Lachlan, you sit on the housing board along with myself and you know how passionately we all feel particularly um, that group of, well all councillors but that group in particular, we do all that we can to address our housing need, protect our council housing and look after the most needy in our community I don't think we can make any uh, casting stone promises here except that I can assure you that while we're all members I think we will do all we can to continue continue with the good works that we do and we will have to find a way to work around what the current government is asking us to do and I think the thing is is perhaps what we're doing is with the immediate reaction is to view it all as a negative and that was my immediate reaction but when you sort of sit back and think about it I think we need to work out what's the best way for us to deal with what we're being asked to do and to continue to deliver and look after the people in this community and I think we should be looking to see what the positives are as well as the negatives and um, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk a lot about this tomorrow
8: Thank you Well I will continue to see it as a negative until somebody proves to me that it is a positive positive.
4: And, and you might well be right Um, and that is the very reason for the meeting because there are uh, details within the housing bill uh, including uh, vacant possession. When our properties become vacant, if they are over a certain value we have a duty to sell them. Well because of the criteria and the price of our homes we will have to sell most of our affordable housing. If this does not cover sheltered accommodation and what we don't know is whether it covers exception sites and as Councillor Redfern said there are a number of unanswered questions in this. We could be in a position whereby our £88.3 million mortgage uh, is gradually whittled away as we sell properties and we are about £6 million short of being able to pay the annual fee on that because we've only got half our housing stock because the proceeds of the sale go to the housing association. Now as we stand today this does seem somewhat bizarre. And it it seems to be a consequence, an unforeseen consequence, we hope. But that is the very purpose of having a dialogue with the Minister to make make it crystal clear that uh, on our understanding, we may be wrong, uh, of some of the detail of the Housing Act, that this could um, adversely impact on us. Because what we could end up with is far fewer social houses. So these are important things, and I think what I'll ask... um, uh, Ms. Millership to do is, is a briefing to all councillors about the potential impact um, and then certainly when we get back from the Minister we'll brief you on what he said so that councillors are fully up to speed uh, with the potential impact. So it is of a concern, um, we've, you know, we, need to get, we need to grasp it and deal with it uh, and, and, and follow it through as necessary and as I say that's exactly what we're doing.
9: Councillor Asker. Thank you. Um, mine is a question for Councillor Rolf and it's relating back to the comment you made earlier with regard to the travellers that we had in Walden. Um, Obviously there was quite a hotline going through the councillors in town last week. Um, However, my concern is I was drawn to look at the UDC website um, at the time to see if there was any protocol that needed to be followed with regard to situations such as this arising. I struggle to find any information. Um, I don't know if there is any on the website that maybe could easily be directed or if not we could actually put information up there for residents and for councillors and for staff to um, take up when this situation arises.
4: Yeah, that's a perfectly legitimate request. Um, It was was regularly uh, updated on our website, I know that for certain. I believe it was uh, on Facebook and tweeted as well. So uh, the communication out to the community, uh, I hope, was continuous and full. Um, In terms of the dialogue with your council, uh, I can't answer that. Maybe officers could, but I take the point that when the situation arises, people need to be informed in terms of what's happening. We certainly do it with the public.
0: there any other questions no moving forward then um, items 9 and 10 there is um, nothing referred so moving to item 11 which is the provisions relating to honorary aldermen. who's, Julie are you presenting this, why did I think that uh, sorry my apologies councillor Ranger
10: thank you chairman Uh, members the um, proposal before you this evening is to adopt the recommendations that were laid before Council at the meeting on the 28th of July, setting out the criteria for the election, or appointment rather, of Honorary Alderman to the Council. Um, And I propose the adoption, Chairman. Thank you.
0: This this was already proposed and seconded at the last meeting. Okay, um, Councillor Jones. Sorry? Uh,
11: Chairman, councillors, um, on having a further look at the text of the um, proposal, and I refer you to um, Article 18.1.3. It says there that nominations for the title may be made in writing by any existing member of the Council and shall be made before the annual meeting of the Council following an ordinary election of councillors. Now that only happens once every four years and I can foresee a situation where it is possible that it might otherwise be the wish of councillors to Um, receive and vote on a nomination for somebody uh, as honorary alderman or alderwoman uh, outside that four-year cycle now it is hypothetical but I've already had a discussion with the leader earlier today about this Um, I'd rather deal with it now than deal with it as an exception at some later date Um, I can see a position where perhaps somebody who is a worthy uh, nominee who meets all sorts of all of the other criteria may well be elected into a a term of office for four years and maybe six months in he's struck down with some illness or other. Um, It may well be that the prognosis for, for that illness is short. But it may not um, therefore be a situation which could wait for recognition uh, for the full term of four years so I just feel I I would feel happier if the nominations can be made um, at any appropriate time uh, for somebody who meets the criteria now I believe there might be a suggestion that the criteria be stiffened up, uh, which is is absolutely fine by me, and I don't suppose that in the course of the life of any one of us in this council, there will be more than two or three such nominations anyway. Um, But I do feel it's a shortcoming in the current um, proposal that you only get the one chance in four years to make such a nomination, and it could lead to exceptions being asked for at a later stage. Thank you, Chairman.
6: chairman um i'd like to make an amendment to um to this motion if i may um i I, point number 18.12 um any person nominated for such title shall normally have served for 20 years as a member of the council i'd like to um change that to this was supposed to be something that was for an exceptionally long service or extraordinary contribution to the council and I would like to change that to um, uh, she'll normally have served for 30, at least 30 years as a member of the council because actually 20 years that, that there could be, plenty well not dozens, but there could be lots, lots of people and I don't think that that's... Um, a long enough period of time. Obviously there could be exceptions to this if someone has done something extraordinary pre-30 years but I do think there were plenty of people that have retired from this council that have served over 20 years. Thank you.
2: Thank you Chairman. Chairman I'm happy to agree with 30 years for that Um, but I think in order to accommodate Councillor Jones's um, request perhaps we could add to the end of 18.1.3 or in exceptional circumstances with the agreement of the Chairman of the Council because that would cover somebody retiring on ill health grounds or or, or some other reason
7: I think you get a medal if you last a year 30 years is ridiculous Um, I think if you've given 20 years of service to the community that's a heck of a long time and I think that's substantial. I also think there are possibly people who have not served 20 years but have done extraordinary things that merit a recommendation. I think that uh, with a position like this there should be more flexibility. Um, I also agree with um, Councillor Jones um, that some of us might peg it out before the next four years. And I think that this is an honor. And I think if there are quite a few of us, what the heck? Um, It's not going to be given lightly. I think the rules are quite stringent. And I don't think it should be a matter of time. I, should be, I think it should be a matter of what the person has done for the community. That's the most important thing and how they are recognised. And I can't see that it can't be based on uh, an annual submission. Um, so I would support Councillor Jones and I certainly would not support 20 years. I feel as if I've done 50 already myself. Thank you.
0: Councillor Chambers
12: Madam Chairman, first of all perhaps I should declare an interest
9: <laughs>
12: it, it would be very nice if I got something but I certainly wouldn't lose any sleep over it but I would, uh, if I may second Councillor Redfern's um, amendment because if you actually look in here on 18.11 The council may confer the title of Honorary Alderman or Honorary Alderwoman upon persons who have, in the opinion of the council, rendered eminent services to the council as past members of that council, but are not then members of the council. That leaves it completely open then to actually nominate somebody who, going back to what Councillor Knight was saying, have done something extremely eminent during even four years that the council feels it is right to do. So, I think in normal circumstances, I would certainly agree with uh, Councillor Mrs. Redfern, and please, this is nothing to do with me personally. I would be delighted to second her amendment. Thank you, Madam Chairman.
0: Uh, Councillor Lachlan and then Councillor Light. Thank Light, you. Light, sorry. Who judges who's done
8: something? outstanding to get this award you know i mean we're all councillors. hopefully we all do a good job in our wards um <laughs> I think, quite frankly, I think it's all very doffed. Not only that, it negates the other two people that started this, which was Councillor Menor and and Councillor Abrahams, who were very long-standing members, no longer with us, one dead and one hopefully still very much alive. Um, But it's all just so silly. You know, we said 20 years, and that was decided, and that's that's on the basis that we worked on. Why can't we just leave it as it is? It worked.
13: Thank you. Yeah, I would support Councillor uh, Knight's amendment um, that actually 20 years is a very long time indeed and in 20 years one can do uh, a hell of a lot and also if um, I would say extraordinary work for the community which is pretty obvious you know, we, we, I don't think we need to set specific criteria for that but I would absolutely support 20 years is more than enough. Thank you.
4: Um, I I would support uh, Councillor Redfern's amendment Uh, the the two you're right you referred uh, to Councillor Abrahams as well but the two that we did uh, earlier this year um, Councillor Menel had done over 40 years actually and uh, uh, Councillor Catteridge 36 I think but obviously Uh, had had done other things as well and we considered them to be exceptional and um, I I just think I sense we're going to spend longer talking about this than the rest of the agenda put together but um, I I just uh, feel that to become an Alderman is something quite special and we should keep it there Uh, serving 20 years is actually quite a common feature um, but having said that if council wished as councillor chambers says there are plenty of um, words within that either 18.1% point one, or the, the, the one that refers to the years, shall normally. So if you want to appoint somebody uh, who has done any number of years, that, that's perfectly legitimate. It just would normally have done that length of time. So it would be a mature Councillor. So I would support the amendment. I'm f- I totally support Councillor uh, Jones's point. I think if we can word that so that uh, under those very sad circumstances that you portray, um, that uh, we should be able to have that facility to deal with it. So I point support both points, Jim.
0: Councillor Chambers, and then I'm going to be awarding myself one of these in a minute if I have to listen to it for
7: much longer.
12: So last one. Sorry, Madam <laughs> Chairman. Uh, uh, in answer to Councillor Lachlan, of course it will be the Council who decides as the ultimate decision, as always it should be.
0: You snuck in at the last minute, Councillor Goddard. Thank you, Chairman. Um, I'm understanding that
14: the four-year term that councillors serve, that someone has served five terms as a councillor, if we adopt 30 years, does that not then mean that someone has to do 28 years and then wait? Or do they do 32 (laughs) years and then wait? Um, The 30-year surely makes it rather difficult when 20 years is a nice round number. Thank you.
0: Well this is fun. <laughs> As I understand it, <laughs> we have two changes proposed with amendments to one of those changes. One change. One
15: change. We need, ma- we, need can we need to do this, it's ma can you just explain. It?
14: Chairman, there was a motion proposed in the 2nd last meeting. There has been an amendment proposed by Councillor Redfern and seconded by Councillor Chambers that the period of time be amended from 20 years to 30 years, we need to vote on that amendment first. Uh, if that is passed, that becomes a substantive motion, and further amendments can be moved to that, if members so wish.
15: Vote on the 30 years first. Why do we have to vote on that first? Because we can't, we can't bump bunch, bunch them all together. We've got to do one at a time. So we do. The, we've got the, the proposal. The proposal seconded to to okay. do 30 years. So that's the first rate. Okay. And we do that now. And then any other amendments, we take them. Okay.
0: So we are voting on the first amendment, which is. Um, <sighs> item 18.1.2, which is to increase the um, time served from 20 to 30 years. All in favour? Thank
3: right, you, Chairman.
0: Against? Okay thank you So now I believe we move on to the second amendment
15: no, so I, to, uh, second to
0: I believe Councillor Knight seconded the amendment Okay so we are now if I, Again I understand correctly um, Looking at an amendment to um, 18.1.3 Councillor Jones could you please reconfirm the wording for me
11: Chairman, I didn't actually propose a specific wording. I raised a concern, which was then seconded. Uh, But the the easiest way, actually, would be to allow it to be annual and just delete everything after the word council where it says following an ordinary election of councillors. That would remove the four-year rule.
16: I'm happy to propose that.
11: Thank you, Chairman.
4: If I may, uh, Chairman, I I was fully supportive of your initial uh, proposal, Councillor Jones, in terms of exceptional circumstances. That substantially changes it, because then we'll be having this conversation every year, and I think the idea was that it followed an election. Uh, Councillor Barker did suggest that, or in exceptional circumstances with the agreement of the Chairman, and whether that uh, picked up your point. To add on to um, paragraph 18.1.3...
11: Well, Mr. Um, chairman, um, it, it would, but I don't see why it has to be with the agreement of the chairman. Just the acceptable circumstances should allow it.
7: Okay.
15: <coughs> can I, Chairman? Can I just um, sum up what is being proposed? We're proposing to amend. Get me right. Um, 18.13. To and your proposal, Councillor Jones, as I understand it, is to delete uh, the, after the word council the second on the second line, of the second word council. Following an ordinary election of members, to propose to delete that and just finish it at the word council so that uh, it shall be made before the annual meeting of council. Full stop. That just seems the
11: simplest way of dealing with it. However, um, I take down for point that it it doesn't mention exceptional circumstances um, but um, we we can surely wordsmith this to actually make it meet the requirement
4: If I may chairman um, to leave the sentence and to add on the end or in exceptional circumstances
15: I have some wording from my colleague here Um, uh, or in exceptional circumstances before any annual meeting of the council. Is that, so that then brings it all So it would then read Nominations for the title may be made in writing by any existing member of the council and shall be made before the annual meeting of the council following an ordinary election of councillors or in exceptional circumstances before any annual meeting of the council. Happy? I second my colleague's motion. Do you want
4: to that then? Well, I think Councillor Jones has proposed, but I'm very happy to second. Yeah.
16: Chairman, um, if we vote for Councillor Jones's amendment, we're saying every four years, except for exceptional circumstances. If we vote to if, if the vote is again, what's the other side of it? Retaining the original.
0: Thank you. We've had a proposal, we've had a seconder. All in favour.
11: Okay,
0: thank you very much. Phew. So now we have to vote again. Okay. So now we have to vote on the motion again with the changes that we have agreed. So, all those in favour? Thank you very much. Moving on to item 12, update on the local strategic partnership. John is going to... Address this.
15: Yeah. Um, sorry, I can't be as exciting as the last subject, um, but I, I would do my I would do my best. Um, I'm conscious that we've been talked at for a while, I, I, I'll, I'll keep this as brief as I can. The community site so this is a new um, addition to the agenda, which is to get updates from the various chairs of the um, the working groups of the local strategic partnership. Uh, and as I happen to be here, I'm doing the first one because I chair the Community Safety Partnership. Now, those of you who don't know what the Community Safety Partnership is, it was brought in in 1998 under the Criminal um, Crime and Disorder Act, the Act that they introduced ASBOs, and it's a statutory function that we have a Community Safety Partnership. Who's on it? Well, we are obviously, but there's also Essex Police, it's the Federation of Small Businesses, Victim Support and the Witness Service, the Ambulance Service, West Essex CCG, Neighbourhood Watch, Crown Prosecution Service, Essex Community Rehab Company, formerly known as Probation, uh, Council for Voluntary Service, Job Centre Plus, County Fire and Rescue, County Council, Age Concern, Local Educational Authority and uh, Mike Young from Wimbish who advises on road safety. Uh, um, The lead member on this is Councillor Gordon and there is a rotating chair, not a literal rotating chair, a figurative one. Um, Last year it was the fire service, it's me this year, next year will probably be the police. Uh, The partnership meets quarterly and it is well attended. Staffing within the council as Martin Ford uh, is the community safety officer. Fiona Gardner, who works in housing, does a great deal on antisocial behavior and John Starr is our alcohol and drugs man. And um, Uh, Kerry Vinton does the administrative support. The um, approach of the CSP to tackling crime and disorder is based fundamentally on the understanding that Uttlesford has a pretty low level of crime and all the agencies that are there have come together with a determination to address not just the crime themselves but the causes as well as the symptoms of criminal behaviour and our main focus of the CSP is therefore prevention. It has a mission I hate these things, but we do have a mission, and that is to. to is all, all these missions tend to be based around Mars bars, of so places to work, rest, and play. And um, we, indeed, on this one, we take the lead in making otherworld a safer and more pleasant environment in which to live, grow, and prosper, by reducing crime and disorder and addressing the related health, economic, and social costs of crime. So, not much to to deal with, but fundamentally, it does achieve a great deal. On a small resource, but it's people coming together, we do. For example, Motorwise—that's working with six form schools on road safety and it teaches teaches people to drive. We work with 800 pupils this year. I uh, did Motorwise. Um, there's Crucial Crew, which is for 10 year olds working with the police again in schools I think most of the primary schools we worked with there and uh, reality road shows similar sort of thing for teenagers this is about all the hidden harms of life that you can come with that's working with the police ourselves various other agencies going around the schools Um, we've been working with the street pastors in in, in Saffron Walden we underwrite community speedwatch. most some of you may have participated in community speedwatch. I know you have Vic because you pointed your camera at me sorry council ranger um (laughs) And um, we do um, CCTV, we pay and under, we install CCTV, we, do, we did Ward Warden, we've done Stancid recently. Stancid are actually very pleased with this, so that's good. Um, quality taxi partnership, we are very much part of the prevent agenda around counter-terrorism and uh, we have also introduced the Safer Living initiatives that over 55 to not to sort of fall over in their home and we do keep safe which is for vulnerable people in saffron Walden who may have and the other towns now is spreading out people who um, uh, as part of their lives become, you know, become frail and infirm if they have a sort of bit of a turn in town there are shops where they can go they can have a sit down a cup of tea and um, they have a little um, Key fobs which give a phone number for a key contact to come and fetch them. So, and that's working rather nicely as well. We've also got the community hub setting up in these offices, the police community hub, and um, that is, we have a very, very good relationship, working relationship with the local police. And this is a very effective partnership with keen and dedicated members, and it does a great deal of good. Significant things happening at the moment. Obviously, we're about to undertake a domestic homicide review following a murder in instance, or a double murder in instance, last July. We've actually appointed consultants to do this on our behalf um, because we don't have the expertise in-house at all to do this. The scoping meeting is happening in the next fortnight, and this will take about six months. Bubbling up, there are some major issues to affect us. I won't go on for much longer. Um, we are seeing... More and more, and it's surprising, um, as the Metropolitan Police become more effective in dealing with gangs and drugs, that that business is being exported up the uh, arterial roads and motorways. And so even in in this district, we are seeing small elements of... um, gang crime, drug crime and so on now. This is highly organised, it's run on almost business lines by gangs and they target vulnerable people, sometimes in their own homes, using vulnerable people, preying on them and uh, using them so they are able to use their homes as a front for trading in drugs and what have you. There are a few examples of this. Not many, but it is something spreading and something the police are acutely aware of obviously we've got issues with the cuts in the police service that you will have read about last week um, but other issues that are growing around us so we have domestic abuse is becoming more of an issue and hate crime indeed but i say the main issue i think we're going to have to be dealing with uh, in the next um, year or so and to come really the significant cutbacks proposed with the police service and this will have a major role on us because the police are now seeing that the low level crime they've dealt with such as parking, labour disputes low level antisocial behaviour that sort of thing they'll be looking to the community safety partnership to be dealing with those much more than it has done in the past I'm going to stop there Chairman because you've been had enough lectures today, I'm sure. But uh, if anyone wants to take these things up with me or to come along to the next Community Safety Partnership and just uh, observe, please do so. It's a well-worthwhile organisation. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you, John. Um, Moving on then to item 13, the local plan consultation. Councillor Barker, um, I believe you'll take questions at the end, yes? Thank you, Chairman.
2: Chairman, I'm pleased to present this evening the first of three consultations that the Council will need to carry out in order to produce a robust local plan. It is proposed that this consultation runs from October the 22nd to December the 4th, 2015. The contents of this consultation have been discussed and unanimously agreed by the Cross-Party Planning Working Group at a number of meetings during July and September. There has also been a presentation to members and two presentations to parish forums. Chairman, as you are aware, we are in the process of preparing a local plan to cover the period from 2011 to 2033 to shape the future of housing, employment, health, education, other infrastructure requirements, and recreation facilities in the district. The consultation you have before you contains 19 questions divided into three sections. The first section asks general questions about the vision of the strategy, about cross-boundary planning, and the settlement hierarchy classification. The second section focuses on the areas of search that the Council is proposing to assess further before reaching a view about their suitability for development. The third section asks a number of questions around levels of development and also allows respondents to raise any other issues. Chairman, I would like to thank the officers, particularly Andrew Taylor for his presentation this evening, uh, Martin Payne and Sarah Nicholas for the enormous amount of work that has been put into the plan so far and would ask that all members now play their part, that they fully read and understand the consultation and its purpose that they take the message back to their town and parish councils and residents that we want to hear their views, that they attend the three public meetings planned for Saffron Walden, Great Dunmow, and Stansted to hear what questions and issues the residents raise. The leader of the r party and the Lib Dem party and either myself or Councillor Rolf will be at each of those three meetings on the platform with Martin Payne and Andrew Taylor to answer questions. Chairman, I propose the recommendation that the local plan consultation document and sustainability appraisal be agreed for public consultation for a six-week period commencing Thursday the 22nd of October and closing on Friday the 24th, sorry, Friday the 4th of December 2015 and I'm happy to answer any questions.
0: Thank you, Councillor Barker. We, does anyone have any questions or, thank you, Councillor Light? Thank you. I um, have some
13: comments actually because looking at the document, consultation document, um, there are a number of issues, I think, with this. And the first one is that the language is in planner's language. It's, it seems to be a bureau speak, which I don't think is easily accessible for the lay person whom we are actually asking um, to uh, give us some feedback and tell us what they think. Um, many of the questions are leading the information is leading. So, um, for example, there are too many references to the old plan And then the questions are just targeted and focused around that. It is too long, too complex, and needs simplifying if we are going to be going out to ask the public. Um, I think that anybody who is interested in planning, deeply interested, will be quite happy to read it and will be able to make his or her way through it. However, I don't think that for the ordinary person, um, and certainly for myself included in that, as I'm not a planner, I would have some problems, actually, in identifying what I'm being asked and be able to give an informed opinion. So, I appreciate that a lot of work has gone into this, but I would ask that we um, spend some time, as uh, Councillor Barger suggested, that the councillors actually read it, look at it and I would also like to take this back to some of our r members some of whom are experts in the field and some who are very good at communication can unpick uh, what we are actually being asked I would be very uncomfortable in taking this to um, ward my ward um, residents and saying, presenting it and saying here it is, now comment because I don't understand it particularly well and I think that we need to be looking at simplifying it. Thank you.
2: I, I think that I, I, I hear what you say. I mean, these, these documents are, are as they are and um, they need to be fairly explicit in terms of language but Residents, really, um, in these circumstances, developers will respond to this. Town and parish councils are well used to responding to this sort of document. And, and residents will only respond, basically, if they are interested. You are not going to get a Dumbo resident make a comment about Area 11E, Sappho Warden or something. They're only going to respond about the areas they're interested in. And the bits that they read about that will be you know, what they respond on. They will, you know, it's it perfectly normal human nature. If you live in Thaxted and there's no blood-brown Thaxted, are you going to say, yippee, there's no blood-brown Thaxted," or are you going to keep quiet? Um, pe- you know, we do get a lot of responses. Um, it is, you know, when we get to the issue about uh, the size and scale of development, it will be developers saying, we want more. You get to residents, <coughs> it'll be saying, we want less. You get to cross-boundary issues, which say, people saying... We don't want to take anywhere from any other district. And, you know, people will respond and people will pick out the bits. But one of the reasons that, you you know, we want you to do is to go back to your residence and say, if there's things you don't understand, please come to the presentations. Please ask the questions. And, you know, if people don't want to stand up and ask a silly question, we're quite prepared to sort of take an anonymous question on a piece of paper and answer it there. You know, if people don't understand something and feel that it might be a silly question... But please, you know, if you've got residents who've got queries, please address them to myself or to, to Andrew Taylor or Martin Payne. We'd be happy to, happy to answer the questions.
0: Thank you, Councillor
7: Knight. Um, I have to support Councillor Light. Um, and I disagree, Susan. Uh, sorry, Councillor Barker. Um, a lot of my residents are interested in and do not understand all the, you know, council speak. And I had a reasonably good education and I can't understand half of it. It confuses me. And I think if we want report back, I think if it was in plain English then you would get a far better response because it's the old adage, nobody likes to show that they don't understand anything. So if they're reading something and don't understand it, they don't respond because they don't want to look stupid. Um, I'm known as being stupid, so I have no problem. I don't understand half of it. I'd like to see it in plain English, and I do think you're wrong because a lot of my residents are (coughs) very, very keen on this situation and would like to comment and i think it's good that we're having a consultation but let's at least make sure that the people out there that we are supposed to represent understand what we're trying to do and i think we might get a lot more support and go forward a lot more without so much uh, aggravation because if people don't understand they'll vote against it anyway even if they perhaps if they did understand would vote for it thank you
0: Uh, Councillor Ranger.
10: Thank you, Chairman. In the light of Councillor... Sorry, forgive the pun. um, Taking the counter of what Councillor Light said, I think it's um, important to bear in mind the theatre in which this is played out. Ultimately, our consultation methods and procedures will be looked at by a planning inspector who is well used to and expects to see the very formulation of these consultations as it stands at the moment. The worst thing we could do is go forward with uh, too simpler a consultation process and risk uh, the inspector saying it's not full enough. Um, In respect of us not understanding it, it's our duty as councillors to get to understand it as best we can, to ask questions to the officers and then take the message out to the constituents. Thank you.
0: Thank you Councillor Ranger. Councillor Morris. Thank you. Um,
17: Councillor Barker, you say that we have uh, historically had a good response to consultations. Um, Roughly what percentage response do we tend to have on this type of um, consultation, please? If you can answer that.
2: Um, I would ask Andrew Taylor to to respond in detail, but what we tend to have um, and certainly to previous consultations is you do tend to have where, and not at this stage necessarily which is why the sites that have been put forward, not in this consultation we want people to discuss the principles behind development um, when we get to later stages in the consultation you will have very focused consultation about development in a certain area so you may have 300 responses which all say almost the same thing and very often exactly the same thing about a proposed development in Great Dunlough or Saffron or else them, um, because that is when it becomes very personal to people that somebody is looking at development in their area. So you will get responses from developers um, and from parish councils, but I can ask Mr Taylor um, to respond in more detail to what we're likely to get at this stage. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you councillor Barker um, I think the the level of response I think is is very difficult to predict the the last few consultations have been a very good response in terms of parish and town councils a very good response in terms of various action groups and outside of that it's much more limited um, and I think at this level, before as Parker said, before you get to the next level when we're talking about sites that are next to people's houses it's, it's, it's a much higher level um, and people do find it difficult to engage with it um, I, I can understand the comments that have been made um, I tend to agree with Councillor Ranger in terms of the, the sort of approach that's there in terms of the set questions um, the working group heard um, that the planning advisory service who had carried out the review of the last local plan I looked at this in quite a lot of detail. This report you have got in front of you had made a number of changes that have been incorporated. So they felt that it followed best practice in terms of the levels of consultation um, that other councils are carrying out.
0: Thank you. No, no other questions? Sorry,
1: Councillor Roth.
4: <coughs> well, uh, I just repeat the point about the planning advisory service. I think that is a very uh, material point. Um, I, I, I absolutely hear what you're saying, Councillor Light, and uh, would ask uh, Mr Taylor and his team if there are particular areas that we think are complicated. Um, this is more about the language than uh, the other points you raised, that we might be able to mitigate that. And perhaps you could... Uh, and. Councillor Knight could do the same, so if there are paragraphs that you think are confusing then we'll look specifically at those. But I do just want to remind Council uh, that this um, questionnaire, uh, first of all, was considered by the three leaders, uh, including Councillor Lodge, but I don't like to put words into his mouth when he's not here, here. that's not fair, but we did have a a meeting with Mr Payne. Quite a lot of comments were made on the initial Pieces of consultation. Uh, it then went through in some detail the planning policy working group, uh, which, as you know, is cross party. Um, So we arrived tonight after quite a bit of scrutiny. But that doesn't, you know, we we do want a perfect document. So, as I say, if there are particular passages that are complicated, then we can have one last look. But we've got to start this on October the 22nd. Um, It is the first, as Councillor Barker said, of three consultations. And I suspect the most contentious will be when we get to some kind of um, proposition around where the actual sites are. Uh, But uh, I I urge Council to support uh, this. this, consultation paper so that we can start this very important work. Thank you.
0: Councillor Asker.
9: Thank you. Um, I'm very pleased that our meetings are now being broadcast because actually we now have free advertising on the fact that um, Mr Taylor may be surprised, hopefully, to get a far better response from the public on this consultation this time round, whereas previously we may not have had these consultations broadcast. So we move to
0: the vote? A so I'm so I sorry. i so, I'm so good at this. Councillor Roth has seconded this. All in favour. Thank you. Against? Thank you. Thank you.
4: Chairman, if I may, I, I, I do find that particularly sad. I have absolutely busted gut to make this a cross party, totally objective process. And as I say, the leader of the RFU has been completely involved in that. And I understand the earlier points about some of the phrasing, uh, but to oppose the consultation I find quite extraordinary.
0: This item is finished, we're moving on. Item 14, Graces, Essex, Devolution. Councillor Rolfe.
4: Thank you, Chairman. And uh, you'll notice that uh, this uh, item is to be noted. And um, I really just want to take the opportunity of uh, updating council about where this process is going Uh, first of all to remind you um, that this is about new powers, this is about powers coming from Whitehall, this is not about restructure of local government in in Essex Um, and to emphasise the point that we're not going a bit like the European discussion we're not going to accept anything uh, that has an adverse impact on Uttlesford. So this is a very iterative process you have before you the letter that went through on the September the 4th. Since then a fleshed out version of that has gone to uh, officials in uh, Department of Communities and Local Government and I have circulated that to all councillors and I don't think uh, many councillors have done that but I'm particularly aware that come the time when we need to make a decision on this, and no decision has to be taken at this stage because there's no commitment at all, but come the time you will want to know every detail of every aspect of this. Uh, so as it emerges, so I'll be passing that on to you. Um, it's something that I'll be raising with my own group when we next meet. I have um, mentioned to Councillor Lockland uh, for the Liberal Democrats and Councillor Light for you. I'd be pleased to come to your group meetings and have the opportunity to discuss in greater detail the areas of concern that you have around this um, so that uh, this is not a, uh, not a, like planning, not a political matter. Uh, it becomes uh, a, an important strategic decision. Um, I won't repeat what uh, is either in the letter or in that detail. There are four work streams, as you'll have noticed, around economic development and connectivity, around uh, homes and sustainable communities, around employability and skills, and uh, and around, of course, governance, and I guess that will be the key issue. So. Um, this will be the Manchester model, is, is in their case, 12 organisations. In our case, it will be 15 uh, with a single member representation and uh, a, a facility to uh, not to have imposed on you something that you do not wish. So there will be equal representation uh, and a model that can take account of the diversity of Essex. And that's very important. We are very different from Basildon, and therefore, one size absolutely does not fit all. Basildon wants more housing growth and actually a great. Essex model could be helpful to us in some kind of trade-off. But um, it is important to note that at the moment uh, Essex is growing below the national average. There is an, it's our um, economic output is around 33.5 billion pounds. The aspiration, as you've seen in the paper, is to reach 60 billion. If we did nothing, it would, uh, it would assume to reach 45. So there is, a, you know, there is a goal within that. You might feel that it's an exaggerated goal, and that's a perfectly legitimate discussion as to reach that target by 2025, as you'll be aware. Um, it's also to increase productivity We're, our productivity in Essex is currently below hearts and Cambridge um, so there are some genuine aspirations in terms of employability and skills you know our 115 further education establishments are really not incentivized or funded to link properly with business and um, We are below the the average in terms of skills attainment at levels three and four. And one of the key targets of uh, the paper is to create a joint venture partnership uh, uh, with business, local government and central government. So I think the the meat of all of this is to be able to take control, uh, better control, more local control of things that are currently done by Whitehall for us, so uh, we 're not going to be any worse off because they 're already done externally for us around those four key areas, and the aspiration is that we will be able to work more closely with the communities uh, within Essex to better drive that agenda i 'm very happy to take questions, but as I say, this is just it 's an item just to note at this stage, and I do um, look forward to meeting with everybody so that we can have a, a discussion about the detail of this as it emerges. Thank you, Chairman.
0: Howard, uh, Councillor Perry.
16: Um, thank you, Chairman. Councillor Rolfe, I do have some concerns about the way in which um, this Council is going about um, the business of devolution. You started this in March and you've sent out a letter without consulting at all with the council. And I'd like to understand from Mr Perry in particular whether the leader has a mandate to um, to, 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 to commit, not to commit the council, but to involve the council (coughs) in outside things without without the council knowing about it. It doesn't seem a very democratic procedure for you to go out and and you're having fortnightly meetings to, to push this forward. You say, oh, we're not committed, we don't have to sign up to this, but what we're seeing here is that that you're forging ahead on your own. Um, I just don't think that's democratic, and I think the council should be much more involved and should have been asked right at the beginning whether we even wanted you to send out letters such as this on our behalf. I don't know any council that... Or certainly on a parish council, the chairman wouldn't dream of writing a letter without sending it round the council first. Now I understand that's not always practical, but I would like to know whether the leader has a legal mandate to go out on his own and to do this kind of thing alongside the chief executive, who's an unelected, obviously, person on the council.
14: Chairman, the was is certainly entitled to go out and enter into discussions on the part of the Council, as is the Chief Executive. It's a normal part of local government. Any decision as to whether or not to proceed with devolution, however, is reserved to to full Council, and only members in this Chamber can take that decision.
0: Councillor Chambers. Thank you,
12: Madam Chairman. Having gone through this uh, some uh, more than 20 years ago on on, uh, different things, in other words, unitary authorities... It takes a long time to sort things out. I have some concerns about devolution, as I think we probably all have. But the leader has a perfect right to discuss with other authorities how it can best benefit the residents of Uttersford District Council. That's all he has done. Once he has something concrete to put forward to us, we can actually discuss it and then eventually we will have a vote on it, which is the democratic right of every member of this council. But at the present time, he is discussing different ways, looking at different things, purely on an Essex point of view from the districts, the unitary and, of course, the county council, as to how it might be best that we we as a district council can benefit our residents and I applaud him for doing that I expect an awful lot more information coming forward but nevertheless he has every right to do that uh, and that's why he's leader of this council so I do hope that you will not think it is not democratic because it's not he is purely discussing preliminary things and until he has some real information to give to you what more do you want? Because if he hasn't got the information yet, which he's just said he hasn't got sufficient information, then you can't discuss it. End of story. Thank you, Madam Chairman.
0: Um, Councillor Perry, you can respond and then Councillor Redfern.
16: Um, Thank you, Councillor Chambers. I just wanted to query. I'd like to know, um, is it just the leader that is able to go out and talk? I mean, this is just my lack of knowledge of how the council works and the only model I have to base it on is a parish council which obviously works very differently in a sort of different level but which members of the council do we all have the right to go go out and do things in this manner and talk to other bodies or is it just members of the cabinet I wonder if it could just be made clear exactly um, what rights we all have is that understandable
15: question. <laughs> I'll just give you a, a quick answer which we'll probably talk about afterwards but um, when we did the induction we did talk about how the council works and how it's structured and I'd be quite happy to come and talk to you about a, a quick reminder and an update on, on how it works, who's responsible for what and how, where, where, the, where the fundamental responsibilities sit but fundamentally this, you know, on this subject it's the people in this room that makes the decision before we commit it to anything but obviously as we get up to there, all sorts of people will be involved um, from, from officer's side, from, from member's side, in just discussions around the subject. But till we get there, um, until there's something firm to conclude and discuss, uh, then th- those discussions take place. But this council, on this devolution matter, will have the final say as to whether we participate or not. Be assured of that.
6: Um, I just wanted to um, remind um, Councillor Parry that we did have um, a workshop on devolution that was open to all members, which I, which I think was not that, you know. So it's not fair to say that we haven't had any discussion about it. There has been at least the workshop and other stuff coming out.
18: Thank you, Chairman. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I would refer members to the final paragraph of the letter, which has multiple signatures, and I'll read it out for you, it's very short. Our officers have had early discussions with your civil servants, of course the central government, and would like to intensify these over a period of the next few weeks, so that we can develop these ideas for the spending review they will be writing to your civil service with more detailed proposals to explore further at the same time we shall be intensifying our engagement with business leaders wider public service partners and with our communities we would also welcome the opportunity to explore some of these issues with you in more detail now i'm very aware that you know where do you start and uh, you've made a very good start so question about that i think the only thing that concerns me personally maybe a lot of us is that Uh, We have an awful lot of fait accompli presented to us in the modern world. Uh, It's quite often done under the cloak of uh, consultation, but in fact it's not consultation, it's simply announcement of what is going to happen. Uh, A recent example, nothing to do with this council, is the flowing together of various doctor's surgeries, which actually have been um, dealt with at NHS England level uh, and the so well, consultations are basically announcing to the patients what is going to happen to their surgery, not consultation at all. So it's very important, Chairman, not to dress this up as consultation if that is not what it is. That, I think, is everybody's primary concern on this. Nothing wrong with the negotiations that you're having. They're good and sound as far as we can tell, and obviously you have to have them. No problem with that, Uh, the problem is what the execution will be like and whether in fact a lot of decisions have already been made which are not visible to us. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Um, Councillor Chambers, followed by Councillor Hargreeves. Madam Chairman, I
18: reiterate, no
12: decisions have been made until there is sufficient information for the Council to discuss it, there is no point, this is a matter of report and nothing else. As soon as something comes out, I'm sure the leader will make it clear to all the members, and indeed all the officers, so that we can have a proper debate on it. Thank you, Madam Chair.
14: Thank you, Chair. Um, I think if devolution is done well, I think we can... can have some good results from it. However, I was a bit disappointed in the presentation we had here a few weeks ago. It contained a PowerPoint of lots of nice things to have, but an awful lot of management-speak words. And I, I couldn't see much substance in there for us to, to get our teeth into. Uh, the only figures we really have is this projection of growth, 32.5 billion to 60 billion over 10 years. That would be around about an 8% per annum growth. To put that in context, mature economies don't grow up faster than about 2%. And the UK economy over the last 10 years grew at about 1.2% per annum. So an 8% growth is a pretty heroic assumption. Uh, The good news is that Councillor Rolfe has just sent me some details as to how that was calculated. I haven't looked at it yet. I will be looking at it with uh, forensic interest. Uh, but can I request I think we're having another presentation on this fairly shortly the next presentation please can it have some facts some figures and hopefully some actual examples of what we could do at the moment it looks flimsy it looks economic projections that don't look at all plausible Uh, I'd like to say we need to do better but at the moment I don't think we've got to the stage of it being we it's you, it's somebody else I think we need to do a bit better on this. I think we could succeed, but we need some more proper, concrete things to look at.
7: Thank you, Councillor Knight. I think most of the comments were directed at Councillor Rolfe, and I have every confidence that he is doing things right, but I never saw his mouth move. So would it be nice if Councillor Rofe could answer instead of Councillor Chambers. Thank you.
2: Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. I'm Chairman, on behalf of Councillor Rofe, I attended recently a. <laughs> he was doing something else. <laughs> East of England Local Government Association meeting in Harlow and we actually had a presentation there from a gentleman from the DCLG and the slides that he presented there were far more detailed and I have sent them to Councillor Ross, but I think they perhaps could be something that could be sent round to all members because they did go into rather more detail. It wasn't details about what might be a deal for Essex, it was about what other areas were asking and it was you know, people asking for retention of business rates, people asking for local autonomy over stamp duty um, you know the idea that you've got elderly people living in a big house and actually one of the barriers to downsizing was the stamp duty that you're still having to pay in an expensive area um, and there were very imaginative asks that had come out of the bids that had been put forward by lots of areas whether metropolitan areas or, or county districts and I think that perhaps some of the information contained in those slides might be of interest to members if you'd like those circulated to you
4: uh, this is the real Councillor Rolf. Um, but thank you to all my colleagues who, for their comments, it, it is appreciated. Uh, look, I, I believe uh, that there is um, something that we can achieve here and it is my um, I have got to convince this council just like 15 other leaders have got to convince their councils if we're going to actually sign up to it. So, um, and and, and you aren't going to agree to anything unless you know every detail of of every aspiration. I absolutely get that. So, yeah, I I get it, Councillor Parry. As I'm getting information, so I'm passing it on to you. And these slides that we've just been referred to will add to those. They are similar to the ones I've already sent you, but you need to have every bit of information. I referred to the four um, work streams and they are led by a, a member uh, but they obviously have the support of officers, particularly chief executives so there 's four work streams, uh, and they include representatives from each of the quadrants uh, count, uh, Mr Harper is in, involved in I think on the employability uh, work stream um, so there is uh, we, the work streams are being worked up to uh, real propositions. And it is absolutely the chicken and the egg, um, which is why I want to meet with each of the groups to understand uh, what is a no-go area for you. But I I, I can't ask you to to agree to anything until we've got the detail of what you're going to agree to. So I sort of get it that if there was some suggestion that we would double uh, the number of houses that we're supposed to take, you wouldn't be in agreement with that. So you can rest assured that places like Attlesford, uh, Epping Forest uh, are very uh, cautious around that. But there are other areas, and I've mentioned some of them, Basildon, for example, Who want growth? They need that growth for the jobs and prosperity of areas that are economically challenged. So we can have a win-win situation here. But I, I, I have been attending and moving the process forward. Government need to have an understanding of what we're asking. We need to have an, uh, an understanding of what government are going to give back to us and we've got to bring that together uh, so that we can then have that discussion. And I wouldn't want to come to you in February of next year and say you know, take it or leave it. It has got to be an iteration of understanding of dialogue, of communication and of involvement. So I totally take the point Councillor Parry. I don't think I've exceeded my uh, authority here but but um, I, I, I fully understand that we 've got to do this together, and I, I, I like to think that Uttlesford District Council is in as good a place in terms of information as most councils in Essex by all means have a chat with your colleagues around the county, but uh, we had um, The briefing session, whether it was a good one or less good one, we've tried to raise it at the last three council meetings, but obviously as the detail becomes uh, more firm, so our dialogue will become more intense, and that's very much the plan for this autumn. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Councillor Rolfe. Um, moving on then, as that, as that item was just for noting, to item 15, the independent remuneration panel. Um, Rebecca, thank you.
17: Thank you, Chairman. Uh, this report uh, relates to um, recent recruitment Of members of the independent remuneration panel because they all have a term of four years. Um, They come in at different times and those terms expire at different times. Uh, We needed to recruit to a post starting this year, and at the same time, as part of that recruitment process, um, another candidate who is very suitable to become a future member when another vacancy occurs was also identified. And um, and really, this report is to ask council to note the appointment of the first member also to approve a payment um, to the person who was also recruited in a shadow capacity because there is no um, allowance in the current scheme of allowances for such a payment. Uh, She will be attending meetings in the same way that the other members do. Um, It seems um, that we had an opportunity to avoid a future um, expenditure in uh, further advertising very soon because her term would in fact take effect in April 2016. Um, So this report seeks approval of that um, shadow member receiving £250, quite a small sum, uh, for the period up until then. Thank you. Uh,
0: Councillor
11: Jones. Yes, Chairman, thank you. Uh, Councillors, um, I read this report with a little bit of um, uh, surprise. Um, I can quite see that we had a vacancy which required filling. I can quite see uh, that the opportunity arose to identify another candidate who would pass the threshold for appointment and would be suitable for appointment and I can quite see that it would be possible to undertake to appoint that person with effect from uh, April 2016. Uh, I didn't see it as a necessary um, automatic thing that we should appoint somebody as a shadow uh, because they happen to be suitable for a future appointment or indeed I didn't see um, it as obvious that we should offer them uh, a payment of £250. I don't think the, the suitability of a candidate for a future appointment and indeed a willingness to make that appointment at that time or with effect from that time uh, necessarily follows that we should um, give them a shadow appointment and a payment. I mean, so it does tend to set a bit of a precedent, and I don't think it's a good and healthy precedent. Uh, thank you very much, Chairman.
0: Thank you. Any other comments? We need a proposer and seconder. We need a proposer and a seconder. Sorry, thank you, Councillor Redfern. A second.
4: Is this for the main motion? Yes.
0: We vote motion. We now. No other, no other on Well, only uh,
4: just uh, in response to uh, Councilor Jones, who was kind enough to uh, say he was going to raise the point, um, and I, uh, having supported him on his first point, I really can't support him on this one. The, the, the remuneration committee is important um, and. Uh, We go out of our way to recruit people who are talented enough to make objective assessments of what our remuneration should be and as we know this is a very sensitive area and we'll have the debate on their recommendation in due course. They happen to have found two good people, and I think to keep somebody in shadow form so they're up to speed when they can hit the deck running in April for a very modest uh, fee is is perfectly legitimate, and I wouldn't want to send the message out from this council that we don't appreciate what they're going to do before they fully take up the job. So I'm fully supportive of uh, the proposal and and ask council to support it. Thank you.
0: Thank you, So We have a proposer and a seconder. All in favour? Thank you. Against? Thank you. Okay, so moving on to the um, final item um, matters which the chairman considers to be urgent. I've just been asked to advise or remind that there is an extraordinary meeting of the council on Tuesday, the 24th of November, to uh, receive an update on the Chief Exec appointment. Make a chief executive thank you, Councillor Light.
13: Chair, thank you. I would just like to make a correction to item uh, 13. If I can just take you back to say that uh, we voted that uh, this document was not adequate as a consultation document. We are absolutely 100% in favour of consultation, and. As much consultation as possible with the public. So I'd like that corrected, please. Thank you, because Councillor Rolfe made an incorrect
0: statement and an assumption. Thank you. But the vote was taken on the local plan consultation document and sustainability appraisal being agreed for public consultation for a six week period, commencing Thursday, the 22nd of October, and closing Friday, the 4th of December. If that wasn't what you intended to vote on, that's your mistake. <laughs> That's this document we're talking about here.
13: Yes, it is. We approve document? It's the approval of a document. I think show it. show it. I just wanted to correct that. So we are in favour of consultation. I'll repeat it. However, this document needs some uh, improvement.
10: No.
0: OK, just wanted to clarify. Thank you. Apologies, the meeting is closed.
18: You shouldn't clarify because they will make a bit of the issue. Um.
12: Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned. Please hold, your meeting has been temporarily adjourned.